Welcome to the Auburn Live podcast, your home for bold, insightful, and honest conversations around Auburn athletics. Where you go? Hey, how about you, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the Auburn Live show, recruiting edition today, also known as the Shriveled Pod. I'm your host, Jeffrey Lee, Senior Recruiting Editor for Auburn Live on 3. And if you're not a member of that site, you should be. We've got a killer promo going on right now, 50% off. Uh, you can do $50, excuse me, $49.99 a year, $4.99 a month. It's cheaper than Apple Plus a month. It's cheaper than a gallon of gas in some, uh, some states. So a lot of good stuff, a lot of good scoop, a lot of good insider stuff over at Auburn Live on 3. Give us a try. 50% off now. Jump on it while you can. Got a great show for you today. As I said, I'm Jeffrey Lee, and I'm joined by our recruiting analyst, Mr. Cole Pinkston, as well as hey, hey. Board Insider J Head, also known as A Head on the street. But we'll <laughs> go with uh, we'll go with J Head since everybody knows him that way. Cole, first of all, how the hell are you doing, buddy? Doing great. That, doing great. Like that, talking about those gas prices are, are hurting me a little bit, but other than that, <laughs> well, especially for a guy with a newborn baby, not newborn anymore, oh. is he? Well, he's six months. Ah, hell, that's close enough. All right. Yeah. All right. Hey, uh, and Jay Head, A Head, how are you doing, buddy? I can't complain, brother. It's another uh, another blessed day. Get a chance to be here with you and Cole and talk about uh, some recruiting, mm. team news, anything you guys want to get into. I'm up for it. Well, you know, there's nothing really much been going on. I just thought we'd get together and shoot the shit and uh, go on about our day. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's not what has been going on. As uh, as most of you know, Auburn has been through a uh, soap opera of sorts the past two weeks um it's just it's exhausting to even think about much less talk about as we all know now auburn had conducted a, an evaluation of the uh, football program and some of the um, behaviors i guess or some of the interviews that they were given exit interviews for players and coaches and uh in the end deemed that brian harson was good to go and we are back at it however there was a lost week of at least a week of recruiting and, and Cole and I were talking about this before the show, but during that entire evaluation slash investigation, it kind of puts us personally in a bind because it's, it's and, and I talked to Keith Niebuhr about this during this, this thing, we, we really can't contact recruits and say, Hey man, what, what do you think is going on at all? What do you think about what's going on at all? Because believe it or not, these kids just kind of see and hear what they, you know, they, they know the general sense. They don't know really what the rumors are and who's going this and the, what, you know, the board of trustees and this coach left. So it puts us in a difficult situation. And so you, at this point, I think Keith and I both decided to step back. I went to basketball recruiting. I think Cole wrote some opinion pieces. Um, but we, what we've seen since the end of the evaluation has been a lot of new offers and increase in the recruiting board, as Cole will talk about. Uh, but, Cole, let's talk about some of these new offers. It's, we're record, recording on Thursday, folks. You might hear it tonight. You might hear it Friday morning. So uh, keep that in mind when listening. But, Cole, uh, today you had a recruiting insider. You talked about some of these new offers. The one thing that stood out to me about, I think, 90% of them, 9 out of 10 or whatever it was, was they were all either offensive or defensive linemen. Yep. Uh, I think every single one of them was an offensive or defensive lineman, maybe besides one. Yeah, there was a defensive uh, back or something. Yeah, yeah, there was just a random one thrown in there. But the theme was offensive line, defensive line. And uh, guys that I think have been on the radar for a while, but now I think the boards have been reshuffled a little bit. They're, they're kind of 
I think they've had the guys in state in Georgia and Mississippi, Florida, you know, these, the usual recruiting ground. I think they've had those guys on campus a lot during, during the games in the fall, you know, you know, we recorded who all was there. We saw those guys a lot. So um, it, it just seemed like a good time probably to just cast the nets and, and look around and, and check out film and see who you like. And, and if you see film that you like, there's no, there's no reason that, sending out an offer and saying, hey, look, we'd like to recruit you. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, that's a good strategy if you ask me because you, you never know who might have interest. Yeah, do you, uh, Jay Head, now you, you, you keep track of, guy, of, of the coaches, of analysts and stuff. And a lot of the times this, this week in interviews, I heard the name Joe Bernardi, who I believe took the place of Patrick Kugler, who's now the offensive line coach at Maine. Bernardi comes in and uh, – Obviously has in, had an influence. What, what do you what, what do you think about him, Jay Head? What do you know about him? So had a major uh, influence as far as that's concerned, and he's, I mean, in his own right, he's been a good offensive line coach in right. college football for a while now. I think he came. His most recent job was out at Fresno State. I think he may have also been at San Jose State. Probably got a really good feel for West Coast prospects, and really at those kind of schools, you have to recruit more nationally anyway, because you're not going to be able to pigeonhole yourself into one spot or another. So I think maybe him having an understanding of what it is that they're looking for from an offensive lineman and being able to apply that knowledge that he's obtained uh, from his recruiting contacts has helped him to expand the board. And really the interesting thing this year, by comparison to last year, is they started out nationally this time last year giving out a lot of offers across the country. Well, and then kind of working in regionally. Yeah. This year, shoes on the other foot. They started more regionally, and they started that through their evaluation process starting last fall when they got to visit with prospects. And as Cole mentioned, handled the state of Alabama, Georgia, uh, Florida. They kind of got those offers littered in or mixed in there pretty quickly. And now this has been an expansion in other areas, Louisiana, Arizona. I think there were some guys out in the Midwest. Uh, they've kicked the rocks or, you know, I mean, on, or kicked the tires on a couple of other kids that were regionally that they may have discovered through the evaluation process. And Cole's right. An offer right now is not necessarily a committable offer. Right. But it's, hey, we want to recruit you. We want to get to know more about you. And as that relationship builds and that dialogue increases, that's when it becomes a committable offer. Yeah, I think that's what we weren't able to see last year because they came in. It was so late in that 2022 class. Is it's just getting in the door on these guys, right? Right. Like, hey, he's not going to commit to you. He's got offers from Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, LSU, Miami. Throw the offer in there. Get in the door with him. Make some noise with him. Just don't send him a graphic and say, "Hey, man, we kind of like you." <laughs> right? <laughs> Absolutely. And it's interesting, right? Who they're giving these offers to, and then you know. Uh, you following a guy for a long time and then you go, wait, he, he doesn't really have an offer. So, yeah. So I think it means, it means a lot when the guy gets the offer and it means a lot to them. And a lot of these guys that are from all over the country, they're like, Ooh, sec, you know, I like right. that. Heard that a few times. So I, again, you're just casting the nets. You're talking to people. You, you Some have interest. Some may go, uh, you know, I'm good. Uh, you move on. Then you start narrowing it down. You got guys that really like you. And you can recruit them and, and have a chance, maybe. Well, we know, like Jay Head said, going kind of branching out instead of coming in like they did a year ago. But we've seen uh, Elijah Page, the kid from Arizona. I know Jay Head mentioned that. 
Uh, Miles McVeigh from Illinois came down yes. back before the dead period, coming back in March, I think, for a practice, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah. So you've got those two. And I think there was another one. I know there was a couple of uh, North Carolina kids uh, recently offered the past two days. Yeah, Jamal Jarrett, I think. Jamal Jarrett. And then I talked to one of them, Keith Sampson. Keith Sampson, yeah. Jr., defensive tackle, and then an offensive. They're both – I think they're both. Yeah, they're both D-linemen. You're right. Um, and then Samuel Akunla, is that yeah. how you say his name? Yeah, that's a tackle from Massachusetts. Yeah. And Olaus yeah, stud now, from what I hear. Olaus Alenin. Alenin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Alien. That's how you say it. Yeah. Yes. Oh, is that who you're trying to say, Jay? Yeah. No, 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 no. I, okay. I, I was speaking to Akunla. He, I mean, he's an old offer, but he's somebody that I know that they've revisited that and, and come back around on him again. He's the guy who had a brother in the 2022 class, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe yes. a linebacker he, or something. Edge that went to Edge. Pittsburgh, I think, is where he ended up. That's correct. Everybody was recruiting him because they wanted the younger brother a year later. <laughs> I mean, not saying the other older brother's not a player, but the the, the guy I always heard the Oakland Lola that I always heard was the offensive lineman in the 2023 class. Uh, yeah. Who was that? Uh, the the alien? Um, <laughs> no, it, it's something like that. I was reading about it today. A linen. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what I said. Oh. Like <laughs> Oh, oh uh, yeah, that right there. Um, yeah. So, you know, you've seen a lot of these offers, especially – so, in my opinion, if you're getting regionally, all these SEC offers are coming in. You get out to Arizona and Illinois or some of these places, then an SEC offer might mean something more. Um, and then getting them on campus, you get them on campus, especially at a school like Auburn. We talked about this uh, ad nauseum last year. You know, you, Auburn needs people on campus. Um, right. uh, Elijah Page, I think Cole and I both talked to him yesterday. Um and it was, I don't really know much about Auburn. And for me, I don't hear that a lot. No. I don't. And so, you know, he was going to – SEC meant a big deal to him. It's the highest level of class of uh, football. He was going to come. He wanted to come on an unofficial visit and basically decide then if he wants to spend one of his five official visits on, uh, to, come, to come back. Um, right. So I thought that made a very big impression on him. Probably, Cole, do you remember his offers? I don't think it was SEC heavy. I think it was UC, USC, UCLA, Penn State. Um, Pretty much anybody out there in his area of the country offered him, uh, and he's got Tennessee. That's the only other SEC offer. So, uh, so a lot of linemen. Cole, what do you think about the board right now? I mean, how do you see it kind of uh, not shaking out, but what do you think the strategy there is? Yeah, I think – I think the board is a work in progress. I don't think it's anywhere near complete. I think you've got maybe 50 or so names, maybe just for the offensive line. And and they're just going through and seeing where interest is. Um, First of all, number one, they have to like their film. Uh, Between Will Friend, Joe Bernardi, Coach Harson, all of them, they have to like the film. And then they go, okay, let's communicate with this guy. I think that's always step one with the way that they do things just from – you know, observing them for a while. Um, but a lot of these offers that are going out, and I think there's more to come, especially in the next week or so, uh, they, they've looked at the film and said, hey, I, I like the way this guy plays. I think they probably have categories of different types of guys and, you know, guards, tackles. And it's, it's cu- currently the process of narrowing things down and saying, these, this is my board right here. So I think it's just a big – unorganized uh you know scatterboard right now 
and trying to see what sticks and who's interested. And then I'll say this, to, you reminded me too, when you were talking about the unofficial visit, you know, guys from around for Auburn specifically, guys from around Alabama, Florida, the usual states, they can unofficially visit Auburn as many times as they want to. And, and we see that happen a lot, right? Uh, guys slip over for spring practice or in the summer, they'll hit, they'll, you know, hit campus a few times in the summer. These guys that are out there, I'm seeing more and more with official visits. You know, you only get five official visits, right? Paid for by the university. Uh, guys are wanting to go out a little bit and say, you know, I, I, I'm from Arizona. I've seen Arizona's campus about three or four times. Really, I'd like to use my official visit to, you know, fly over to somewhere else, Auburn, use that kind of across the country, somewhere I wouldn't normally get to go. So to me, that's another strategy I think we could see being used here. And it's kind of the reverse of what USC's done for years and been able to capitalize on that for prospects from Florida and Georgia and Alabama, where it's like, hey, I, I've been to Auburn, you know, 10 times. I want to go out to L.A. to use my official visit. I think you can yeah. get on with that, Cole. Um, so be us kind of reversing that trend will be interesting to see. And two things, you hit on it as far as the board. It is just a blob of prospects right now, and they're, they're sorting through that to the best of my understanding. I think the next time you'll get, obviously they're going to organize it on film right now and conversations and relationships that they build. But spring evals will be back this year, and that will be huge when you get to get a chance to go out and see these kids in spring practice. You're going to see the board re-rack again after that because when you get a chance to evaluate somebody in person, and Cole, you can speak to this as a former coach, it changes things for you. You get to see how physical they are. You get to see what they understand, what they know, what technique they have. So I'm expecting us not to – I'm not saying we're not going to be working hard in recruiting, but I don't expect us to push – or go all in on a lot of guys early unless they're completely sold so they can get through that spring evaluation period and kind of get a better understanding of what they're looking at. And the second thing is, is that I've heard, and this is, I think this is smart. We're going to push for many, as many unofficials as we can in spring and summer. We're not going to try to load up on summer officials because that football complex will be done in the fall. They want kids to be on game, be there for game day. They want kids to see that fully finished football complex they want them to get the full feel of what it's going to be like when they become an Auburn Tiger if they, if they so choose to do so. So I think you're going to kind of see it's not like we're pushing things off, but it's just there's a reason why they may not have as many official visitors or push for as many commitments early on when they're kind of sorting through these things. Yeah. Let me play devil's advocate here for a second. Do you think the shuffling of Kugler and bringing in Bernardi um, – why wasn't this done back in January? Is this something – is this pretty typical? I mean, you're, you revamp your board every month. You're looking at new guys. You're sending out new offers. Like, we're almost to March. Why wasn't this done before? I think it's just kind of where you are in the hiring process. And Cole can probably talk to that better than I can. But I think it, my guess is they wanted to complete bowl season. And then as a head coach, more than likely what Brian Harson did is so, say, okay, what do I need to make my staff better? What do I need to enhance recruiting, coaching, you know, just character and chemistry within the, in the, in, within the complex? And after you kind of do that self-scout, that self-evaluation, well, now it's finding those people to add. So maybe he interviewed a series of people where it caused a delayed reaction. And I think Bernardi's been there since late January. 
So then it's working with Will Friend and, and kind of coming together on an idea of what your board is going to look like. Okay. So it, it's, I mean, I don't think that's atypical for Auburn. I, I think that's normal for most people that are going through specifically the first year. So with Harson not having any familiarity with Auburn or the SEC for that matter, or kind of what you're going to need from a staff, you go through that full first year and then you kind of self-scout yourself and say, okay, this is where I need to improve. This is what I need to do moving forward. And bringing in a guy like Joel Bernardi is, I think it's huge specifically because you're talking about a veteran OL coach in college football. I like Patrick Kugler. I think he's a very, very talented, good young coach. But, I mean, he was just playing for Michigan, what, like three years ago? Right. So to have somebody that's been in recruiting wars that has seen different parts of the country, I think it's invaluable. And it's going to really help Will Friend in that capacity. Yeah, and see, that was brought to me, I, and I'm, I'm bringing it to you guys. But my answer was this. You bring in a guy like Joe Bernardi, you, you're hiring him for his knowledge, his experience. You want his opinion on that board on the wall right there. Hey, Joe, we're going on vacation in month. The coaches just returned from vacation this past week. When we come back, let's get this board going. Let's get this where – let's get your input on this board. And I – to me, that was that was my theory, at least. That's why we saw some new offers go out. You saw Jimmy Brumball come in, saw a couple of more defensive lineman offers go out. Yeah. Um, so you know, that's kind of lines up with with kind of what I was expecting. Um, you bring in new minds, you want their opinions. You're paying them for a reason. And uh, I, but I, I was very surprised, pleasantly, uh, for Auburn's sake, that Bernardi had been uh, so vocal on the recruiting trail this week. And Absolutely. It, was, it seems like the analyst is making the initial c- communications to the guys that I spoke to. And then we'll, we'll friends kind of coming in saying, Hey, we're ready to offer you basically. And like we talked about earlier an offer is an official. We're starting to recruit you. Like we, we, we we're yes. very interested. That's what, that's what I think I'm used to. I'm, I'm used to offers going out. You know, when I call a guy and he's got offers from Alabama, Georgia, Ohio state, Michigan, I expect him to go and Auburn. So when he's got all those offers and he goes, you know, and then Auburn offered me today, that's not something I'm used to. But I'm not used to Brian Harson. I'm not used to him doing the vetting that he does on these kids. Um, he's not a Dabo Sweeney guy where he's only going to offer, what, 35 kids a class, or at least that's how he, Dabo used to roll. I don't, think he, I don't think he can afford to do that anymore. Uh, nah. but, but obviously, <laughs> Harson is much more careful, cautious, uh, stingy, if you will, with, yeah. with, with offers. Yeah, I'll he say is. on the board. Uh, I think, I think ideally, you probably want want that to be more, um, you know, organized by this time of year. Maybe January, February. It's more of a an idea of what you're looking at. But so much staff turmoil, and and, and who knows how long the whole saga was going on before we found out about it. Weeks. Yeah. Right. But somebody so, told me, and I didn't believe them. So, yeah, exactly. And I, I think that's what a lot of people were upset about because you're just – you're holding us back with all this this going on right now. I, I think if they were left alone, they'd probably have a, a clearer picture right now, but they don't. So, this is where we're at. They're, they're still putting out offers. They're still evaluating. And, uh, you know, they're, they're going to have to pull together. And we're, we'll, we'll see how, how well they're doing when you start seeing all these guys coming in the spring and summer. And it should be a pretty nice group. And in that vein, you've still got two more changes with OC and A. Right. You can add new names to the board. Yeah. Talk to us about that, Jay. What are you looking at? Uh, if you're the GM of this team, what are you looking at? What are you going for? 
Yeah, are we talking with regard to 2023? Well, let's, oh, let's you're start just no, talking about offensive coordinator. Offensive coordinator, I want an experienced offensive coordinator that Brian Harson is comfortable with. Right. That is the most important thing right now. When you're in the position that he's in as a coach and the perception is that you need to win and you need to win now, comfort and staff chemistry is paramount to success. So they need to be on the same page philosophically. They need to be on the same page with coaching styles and comfort and how they plan on organizing um, and utilizing their offense. If all those things mesh, then you're going to see more than likely a productive offense because Auburn has some players. It's not like we're completely in yeah. We've got some people that can produce. And Cole's talked about this before. Realistically, you want a quarterback developer out of your offensive coordinator. That's what you want because even though Bo Nix took a step forward last year, he still had some issues with accuracy. He still had some issues with inconsistency. You got to get that fixed from the quarterback position for us to be successful. And I'm not in any way, shape, form, or fashion trying to compare anybody to um, Cincinnati's quarterback, okay? But we need an exceptional quarterback this year to take a step forward. And we need high-level quarterback play. That's the biggest difference. And any coach that I speak to will tell you that you have to have impact players at quarterback, offensive line, and defensive line. And we need that trigger man to be on point this year. And that's really what you need more than anything on the OC standpoint. Is somebody that's in line with Brian Harson and somebody that can develop quarterbacks and get the most out of what we got. I think I'm like you, Jay Head. I think the most the, the most important thing is get somebody you want. Yep. Get your dude. No excuses, right? Get whoever you I don't care. No, Promote don't people. compromise. Don't do whatever you think will give you the best chance to win. Don't See, care who it is. Now, now thinking like that, Jeffrey, and that's exactly what I think will happen. I almost wonder if even if you hire an offensive coordinator, uh, you know, that's called plays before, just the way that things have been going, it, it just seems to me like Harson still wants to maybe have – I don't know if he wants full autonomy over the play calling, but I think he wants a bigger hand in play calling than he had. So, to me, that's – I just feel like that's going to happen. I don't have any intel on that at all. I just – that's just a gut feeling for me. Uh, you know, I – I wonder about Keysaw too, because he's been with him before. He's been his, his play caller. He's still sitting there. Uh, I wonder what he's going to do with him exactly. I think he's had play calling duty under Brian Harson before when he was at Boise. So he, there's a few things that I don't – I have no way of knowing what they're going to do. I just – the gut feeling tells me Brian Harson wants to be in the mix with the play calling. I, and I think he will be. I, and I – I think they'll probably call plays situationally, if I had to guess, where Harson might take over in certain situations on the field, whether it be third down, whether it be a you know, goal line and you're trying to punch something in the red zone, whatever it may be, he's 100% going to have more influence on the overall offense. And when you're backed into a corner, that's probably what he feels comfortable doing. I know that's how I would feel if I were the head coach at Auburn. Yeah. If it's – excuse my language, but if it's my ass in the sling, <laughs> I want to be the one, you know what I mean, that's got – Autonomy yep. on what's about to go down. And I, I think the word comfort gets thrown around a lot and people kind of characterize it as nepotism or, you know, or something bad. It, comfort's not a bad thing. You need to be comfortable with the people that are on your staff and they're giving you the things that you need. So if that's major Applewhite and you're comfortable with that relationship and the influence he can have on the offense, then hire major Applewhite. 
if that's somebody else, then go get that person that brings you comfort and understands how you want to operate. Because that's a gust thing that I think drove a lot of people crazy is he would hire offensive coordinators under the pretense of, yeah, you're going to be the play caller, and then yeah. no, you're not calling plays. Be very yeah. upfront with what it is that you want and it, your expectations. As different as they seem to be, they do seem to be similar on the side of, I'm going to do it my way, whether it works or not. I'm going to live and die by my way. <laughs> Good for I them agree. too, man. To me, if, if Harson, um, I would feel <clears throat> more comfortable, more confident and him hiring a guy who's he he already has either a worked with or or, or worked over. Yep. Um, I think guys need to understand what Brian Harson is like. Obviously, um, it's not you know birthday cake and roses every day. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Working with or for him, I want somebody to understand what his demands are as a head yes. coach having done that and been there already. So they're not shocked when they come in and go, damn, dude, you know, I wasn't expecting this, right? And, and whatever right. this is, maybe it's working hard. I mean, this dude, we, we talked about all the time about all ball. I talked about, you know, Schmetting and all these guys, they're all ball, dude. Um, and, I, and I want somebody who's going to come in who is already expecting that, who already is familiar with his ways, his coaching style, and, and what he demands from his guys. Uh, Major Apple, if I'm not mistaken, Jay Head, they worked at Texas together. Is that right? That's correct. They were co-OCs together at there Texas under Matt Brown. Yeah. I think Major Applewhite handled the running backs when he was there, and Harson was the play calling quarterbacks coach. Which takes us to the edge position, which was vacated this past week by Burt Watts, who was uh, one of my favorite men, man. Uh, ended up living Absolutely. across the street from Jessica. Got to know him and his wife and his kids, man. They're awesome people. Glad for him. He's got an NFL job with the Denver Broncos. And uh, good, good on him. Really, uh, really like Burt Watts. Uh, but there's an opening there, and I think Jay Head, you were the first guy that I saw mention this name, uh, the Jacksonville State DC, and it just made so much sense to me. And I don't know that he's a legit. Can I, actually, I do. I did confirm that. Yeah, he's yeah he he he's a guy to keep an eye on. Uh, the yeah. alley, alley, right? Zach Alley. Yeah. Yeah. Zach Alley. Yes, Zach Alley. Okay, not the back alley. No, not the back nice. alley. <laughs> yeah. So, so I went and I looked him up. J uh, Jacksonville State, DC. By the way, go Cox. You know, I spent uh, nineteen ninety four and half of ninety five there. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember most of much of it, but I was there. Uh, so Zach Alley, I went and looked him up, and he's got history there with Harson as well. Absolutely, two years on his staff in Boise, and before that, he was mentored or tutored. Uh, in the college game by Brent Venables, and there's not yeah. many defensive coordinators you'd rather learn from than Brent Venables. Mm -hmm. so, so I would think he's definitely a guy to keep an eye on. You mentioned a couple other guys the other day on the corner on our message board, um, and, and, and this was just you doing your homework and going, these kind of guys make sense, right? Absolutely. Which I, which I love about you, man, because not a lot of people have uh, that much passion for it which is why I appreciate you as a poster and obviously as a guest here. But talk about the other guys. You had Zach Alley. Zach Alley, who is the defensive coordinator at Jacksonville State. The other one is Kyle Pope, who's a defensive line coach at Memphis. Memphis yeah. um, got his break in the coaching industry underneath Nick Saban um, at Alabama, where he worked primarily with pass rushers and defensive linemen and just got rave reviews from a lot of different guys on that staff and, and, and kids on the team. And I think Der Deron Payne, um, talked about uh, Coach Pope a lot and, and how crucial he was in his development. Went on to coach at Liberty under Hugh Freeze. And we know if, we, if there's anything that Hugh Freeze knows how to do, it's 
it's had a recruit. So yeah, I'm sure oh, you learned sure. something there. Um, and then obviously he's been the last two years at Memphis. Uh, but I think he's a really good young coach. He's got ties to the state. He's from the Silicaga area. Um, what was where his do name? we need maybe Brooks Kyle Camp, Pope? Brooks Camp, Kyle P-O-P-E? P-O-P-E, yeah. Okay. Um, I think he's a guy that could really add an element in state here for us to kind of compliment a guy like Zach um, that's got roots here. And obviously we all know that this is a loaded 2023 in-state class. So having another guy with in-state ties to a, a very talented area in Birmingham would be advantageous for us. And I really, I really feel like Auburn needs to pick me up with this in-state recruiting. I mean, if any, if anything, if any state or if any area affected Auburn or was affected by the past ten days, the investigation, the evaluation, the, the kids in the state hear it more than anybody else. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, uh, it's it's on every radio station. It's you know, I mean, it's being syndicated by Paul Feinbaum. It's right. Every podcast you listen to, you know, I mean, there, there are things that are filtering out. And, and look, Cole can speak to this better than I can, that's for sure. But rumors get out in the coaching community, and then that filters mm-hmm. down to some of their kids, um, specifically in-state, and that can affect you. So having somebody that has positive relationships in-state, that can kind of calm the waters and mend those fences to a degree and let guys know, hey, trust me. If you don't trust anything else, trust me. Mm-hmm. Everything's fine here. Um, that would be beneficial. Uh- so my personal wants in a an OC is a uh, guy who's worked with Harson, who knows Harson, who can develop quarterbacks. Don't care about yes. play calling. Don't care about any of that other stuff. I want those three things. I want a quarterback developer uh, and, and, and recruiter. Sure, but the the edge edge coach is to me number one recruiting. Yes, I would agree. And then I think obviously, and I, and I want to hear both you and Cole's thoughts on this, but. Burt Watts was obviously the special teams coordinator as well. I think you can spread those duties out amongst the staff and you can probably hire an analyst to coordinate all the things behind the scenes that you need to get done. Um, and then, you know, let kick returners go with Cadillac or punt returners go with, you know, with Keysaw. You know I mean? Your field goal block team can, you know, be with Will Friend or with um, your tight ends coach, Brad Bedell, somebody that's got experience with, with that, that paradigm. So, to me, it's not as crucial to get a, a veteran special teams coach, but you need that shot in the arm for recruiting. And I think that's where you can add an infusion of, of youth and energy to the staff. Well, you know, they don't have much time. What's today? February the 16th? 17th. Yes. Whatever. 17th. Uh, and Auburn just released earlier this week that they're going to start practicing on March the 14th. So that's what, about three weeks away, three and a half weeks away? Yep. Um, Probably want to have an OC in pretty soon, I would imagine. Yeah. End of the week, I would think. Yeah. I, I'll say this too. I, I think um, just talking to some of these offensive linemen, I, I really think, unfortunately, it, it doesn't help Auburn that there's not a set scheme or style of offense in place right now. Yeah. You, you can tell them, look, you know, we're running a pro style offense. Uh, the, these are the sets we're looking at, this kind of thing. But unless you actually have an offensive coordinator or or some kind of laid out plan to show them, and, and that's what they do, they get on the board a lot because they're having to do that because they don't have just an overall, here's what we're doing. Here, we're going to have to show you because we don't have like a, I can't show you on paper. I got to show you on film what we're going to do. It's not all set yet. <laughs> so uh, that's been a big thing. And that's why they want them to come spring practice, I think. And that's been a theme because – here, come watch what we're doing. 
because I can't exactly explain everything right now. That's just the reality of it right now. I think that hurts a little bit. Obviously, you'll have that in place real soon. Just for the moment, it's not really the best. You're probably trying to stay away from that pitch just a little bit until you can get them at practice. I would agree with that, Cole, because you're right. It, where last year, you were probably doing the same thing last year, unfortunately. Yeah. You're kind of having to, to retool some. Uh, moving on from Mike Bobo as offensive coordinator, maybe some of the, the tendencies that he would have had or plays it, ideas he would have had to utilize kids in certain areas. Well, now you're going to have another another point man. Um, and as we talked about last week, where the position coaches are the relationship builders and Jeff Smetting's that coordinator, they can sell ball, 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 how we're going to use you in the scheme. He knows exactly how he plans to use these mm. kids. You don't have that collaborative recruiter on the offensive side just yet. Yeah. Um, and it, it is setting them back to a degree. And I do think that hurt them. Who's the offensive lineman in the 2022 class from Covington, Georgia? Jalen Farmer. Jalen Farmer. I think that hurt them down the stretch with him when you had a change at offensive coordinator again. Yep. So you're right, Cole. Getting that nailed down right now is extremely important to the kind of product that you're planning to sell these kids or the vision they're planning to sell them, how they're going to be utilized in the offense. Yeah. Did he end up sticking with Florida? He did. Okay. He did. Yeah, that was – the man, I'll tell you what, that that February signing day, and I know we've talked about this already, but that was uh, those three guys or four guys, whatever Auburn was after. I, I kind of knew it wasn't going to be Auburn, but, dude, as far as where they ended up, like Trevante Citizen at Miami, Jalen Farmer sticks with Florida. Um, who was the other guys? Jake uh, Piper. Piper. Yeah, well, of course, we knew oh, – yeah, that, that was that was that it was Auburn. Listen, so I didn't Florida, even right? talk to anybody at Auburn, and as soon as he got that Florida offer, I was like, "That's done." Done. All right. yeah, move done on. Deal. Move you on. You can go ahead and pencil that one in. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, looking, uh, Cole and I were talking about this. Now, between now and still got a lot to do in the 2022 class or the 2022 class, right? We're gonna maybe maybe count some of these guys ahead or whatever it is they do with these numbers. Jay Head, you're our expert on numbers. We both agree that there's about 10 slots, so at least there were we could go. Um, is that kind of where you see things still standing right now? Somewhere tentatively between 8 to 10, okay. um, depending on – I think they're waiting for a determination on these last two spots to see whether or not they're going to have two spots available. But either which way, 8 or 10, you got a lot of positions open on the board. And – You've kind of had some good news from the last time we talked where there may be a couple prospects who are making a decision about exiting the portal and coming back to Auburn. So maybe your needs are going to change to a small degree. And I saw what Cole put out a post today on it. Um, And I agree with him as far as the numbers are concerned. So you're probably looking at one to two offensive linemen that you want from the portal because we've got 14 to 15 guys on scholarship right now. Yeah, right. You're not in the the need for bodies. You may be looking for talent beyond 2022. Right, but bodies wise, you're going to be fine, and you're not going to Edge. find that in the portal, right? I mean, these guys no. don't want to be bodies. We call it, that's what we were talking about beforehand, and I think some of the fan subscribers need to understand that you know it's like, oh, can you play OT, man? Auburn's got some upperclassmen offensive linemen. It's going to be hard to get any of these transfer guys with one to two years to come in, and with with with, with what five returning starters, multi year starters, seven yeah. plus Bro-Ham, guys. Broham left, right? Yeah. Yeah. Broham left. He said he turned he turned pro, but you've got seven guys that have playing experience in your two D this this yeah. return. Yeah, seven or maybe even eight. It, it, it's eight now because our center got snaps in the uh, our backup center got snaps in the in the bowl game. 
Yep. So you've got eight guys that all have playing experience that you're returning. Um, and, and that's just, that's really hard to sell to a kid that's coming in that's got one or two years to play. And the reality of it is, I don't even think we really need a one or a two year stop yet right now. We need guys that are going to be there for the long term that have probably around the sweet spot would be three years left to play so that you get a developmental year in the system and then you got two years left to go because you're going to be graduating such a top heavy group. Yeah. Um, but what? one to two guys, and then, it, like Cole said, you can go in and get some more one-year guys next year and hit the high school group, five to six guys, really, really hard this year. Yeah. But as far as – go ahead, Cole. I'm sorry. No, you're good. I, you, you, got, you got two cycles left if you think about it because this cycle really let, – let's just go ahead and be honest. You're not going to get – you're not going to get like a, a top-flight offensive lineman to come in because they want to go play somewhere. and they're That's right. They're not guaranteed a spot at Auburn. They could jump in and, and beat out some of these guys, but they don't they don't want to chance that more than likely. So you move on to the 23 class where, like I said, you got like 50 people on the board right now, and they want to get somewhere between five and maybe eight guys in yeah. that group to come in. And, and some of them might be really good. Some might be development guys. And then you got another transfer transfer portal cycle after that, which is when all of your seniors are gone and you can bring in guys that want to play that's that's 100 correct cole and hopefully they're going to roll over that that seven player transfer rule that they've had this year yeah. i hope that they're going to utilize that again next year because yeah. i just don't see with the way the transfer portal is right now and how vicious it is mm -hmm. and them not having necessarily a calendar put in place for open and closed days yeah it's too hard on roster management for them to not roll that rule over what, what's, what's the interconference uh, deadline is coming gone? So the interconference transfer, yeah, it was February 1. My understanding is they are. That is a hard cap. There is a waiver process for that. Now, you can still enter the portal um, right now. You just can't transfer to another SEC school. And if you did, you can, but you'll have to sit out a year. You'll have to sit out a year unless you get a waiver approved. Right. That's my understanding. And Cole yeah. hit this on the board earlier today. It's a little murky because this is the first year of all this still kind of feeling themselves out some as far as what the SEC office is going to do, not going to do, how this is all going to play out. Um, it's just it, – there's a lot of unassuredness right now. I'm wondering if there's some kind of paperwork they can they can go through to end up playing if they're late on this intra-conference transfer. Because I always go back to Tyrone Truesdale last year. He, I mean, he, he, get, he did he not hit the portal around fall camp time and then was playing at Florida? August. Hit the hit the portal yeah. in August. Yeah. So and then there's other people that weren't able to play or whatever. It's like so. Where is the where's the where's the line drawn here? I'm not really sure. I can't make heads or tails of it. It's a case by case. <laughs> I think it's going to be case by case. And in, in, in Tyrone's situation, he was asked to leave Auburn. It wasn't a situation where, you know what I mean? It, 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 he had a scholarship available where he could stay. It was out of his out of his control. So yeah. my guess is. If there was a waiver on that situation, it got approved due to that yeah. because it was beyond the player's control. Right. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I expect to see Auburn adding players through the summer. Um, yeah. I, I think Demetrius uh, Robertson, Demetrius McNeil, uh, meet. I remember <laughs> meet. Uh, Demetrius Robertson was a late ad, was he not? He was a late. He was. I think he got there in July, maybe. Maybe Just, it was. No, it was because he, he committed after July the fourth. Yeah, he got there in time for basically fall camp yep yep practice 15 and I, times and then played 
I think they're going to try to get about five guys at least, five to seven guys before summer, and then those last three to four spots, uh, whatever they have available to kind of add players through summer. I, I know they plan on being aggressive, and I think with Edge is a place that you're going to see them be very aggressive yeah. because the numbers are not great right now. I know they moved Cam Riley out to Edge to kind of have a, a two deep, um, because to combine him on the other side of Dylan Brooks, then you've obviously got your starters in Leota and Hall. Mm-hmm. But four players is not a lot in the position that Auburn used a lot of last year. You're going to need additional bodies there. Probably two more guys at edge, maybe a running back, um, obviously a wide receiver, though you may get yeah. Javarius Johnson back. We've kind of got some unassuredness there. I think they're working through some things right now. But you need at least one more wide receiver. Um, so you've got some definite needs in the portal that you need to hit. That's for sure. Offensive line not being one of them. Yes. Offensive line is not one of those that we have to have right, right now. We've got starters. We've got depth. If you can get a good one. Sure. Absolutely. You know what I mean? You'll, you'll take one or two good ones if you can get them. I mean, and obviously Auburn is in the same mind frame. They were going after uh, uh, Norrisome, uh, shit, Norzad. Yeah. Yes. Nor- kid from Cornell. We went to Penn State, just like uh, Eric Wilson. Remember the kid from uh, Harvard a year? Was it yeah. last year? Yeah. yeah, it was. Yeah, he was committed, went to Penn State. Yep. Then, then played against Auburn, if I'm not mistaken, at Penn yep. State this past year. Sure did. Um, and I think he, he he left for Penn State um, after Gus, right? Didn't Gus Lee get fired and he yeah. changed his commitment? Yeah, he did. I mean, it, the big tie on him was the previous offensive line coach. I can't even remember that guy's name now. Um, but Eric Bignell. Oh, yeah. 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 It, 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 Jack Bignell. Really Jack Bignell, that's it. Yeah. He's from the Pittsburgh really Steelers, tight. baby. <laughs> Remember that? He was big yeah, time. Do. He was such I a do. butthole, dude. He was a butthole. Listen, if he didn't leave, that whole offensive line room was getting ready to leave. Oh, I mean, God, it, I forgot all about him. Yeah. It, of course, all that came out after he left. But, I mean, you about had oh, a beauty in that room over some of the, the things that he was doing. But Man. Uh, he was really – yeah, he was really tied to Bick, and when once he left the staff, there was no chance. It was kind of like uh, the the linebacker out of South Georgia from that 2021 cycle that ended up signing with Kentucky. Once Travis Williams was gone, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No oh yeah, 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 yeah. That was, oh man, I can see his face. Can't think of his name. I can't, I can't remember either. Yeah, he was he was big time though. I mean, he got legitimate stats for Kentucky this year on a ten win team. Yeah, he had T. Will had him locked down. Trayvon, yeah. Trayvon, something maybe. I don't know. Ah, Cole, you're killing me, man. I might have to go look it up now. Did he not block a field goal and return it for a touchdown for Kentucky this year? He did. So, yeah. I mean, he, he, he was getting like 30 snaps a game as a true freshman this year, which is a yeah. pretty, pretty good accomplishment on a veteran team like Kentucky. No doubt. Yeah. Jacquez Jones? No. Nah. That's I'm just looking freshman Kentucky linebackers. Oh, oh, Trevin Wallace, bro. That's it. Trevin Wallace had him wrapped up. That's it. Yeah. Makes all yeah. freshman, all SEC freshman team. Yes. Yeah, he was locked down, dude. Yeah, he was he was done. I remember that. Trevin Wallace. And he was like a nobody up until his senior season. If I'm if yeah, I he, that's right. Yeah, he had gotten injured his junior year, had primarily played wide receiver up until that point, maybe some defensive back. And then they moved into linebacker. And I kid you not, I got a high school coach in Tennessee, South Georgia. And when they popped on his film, they thought he was the best linebacker in the entire state. 
I mean, they were really, really complimentary of, of him and couldn't believe that he was as lowly rated as he was at that time. Yeah. Then obviously that changed as you got that senior evaluation came in. I mean, he skyrocketed. Yeah. Yeah, if you look in the NFL, Kentucky's got a track record of putting linebackers in the league. They yeah. got a bunch of them in there. Oh, you know, you know what else we forgot? We talked about all the uh, the linemen offered this week, and then the, and the lone DB, but there was also a running back, in-state running back from uh, right, right up the road in Montgomery, and Jeremiah Cobb, Montgomery yeah. Catholic, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Cole smiled about this one. Let him get into this. He's he's loved this guy for a while. You like this kid? Yeah, man. So okay, let me, let me just. Let me just tell everybody, Jeremiah Cobb, he's 5'11", 190. He rushed for over uh, 2,100 yards, 30 touchdowns. He caught another 600 yards and eight more scores. Dude has some stats as a junior. Auburn comes in this week, I think on Monday, extends an offer, and Cole, take it from there. Yeah, look, when I before I was doing all this, I just – I live, you know, around the Montgomery area, so I was like, man, I think I'll check out that Catholic Pike Road game. There's a bunch of players in it. Um, you know, it was Curtis Perry, uh, Quinshawn Judkins. And I was like, let's, let's see about these guys, see how they're playing, whatever. Uh, but one guy kept standing out. I was like, man, that guy is, I mean, he's running over people. He's, he probably weighs 160, 10th grader. I looked him up and he didn't have a profile or anything anywhere. So, uh, I ended up talking to a buddy of mine that coached over there. He's like, let me just tell you something. This kid right here fin to blow up. He said, first of all, we're going to get him in the weight room. He's going to get up to about 190. I was like, okay, you know, that's easier said than done. <laughs> <laughs> the old school Joe Weider weight gain on that one, huh? I get it. Yeah. But, you know, uh, well, that's what he is now, just about 185, 190, something like that, maybe 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, he was right. This kid is unbelievable. Uh, he, he is – he's got that burst, that acceleration. I mean – I've seen him on film for a long time and thought he was really good. Evidently, uh, Coach Cadillac saw him again, and I think he is on the rise of Auburn's running back board right now. And I had thought that before the offer. Now the offer goes out, I go, okay, yeah. I think there's something to it. Uh, I think he likes Auburn. Obviously, in the meantime, he's gotten some big offers. North Carolina, I think, is up there. Uh, Tennessee. Yeah, Tennessee, maybe Miami. So, I mean, there's going to be some contenders here, but I really think Auburn's going to be a strong one in that recruitment. And, uh, you know, personally, I'm happy to see that just because I just remember seeing that kid and going, man, I know that guy's going to be good one day. <laughs> you know, so here we are, got offered by Auburn two days ago. So, yeah, that was full circle. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm looking at the guys that Auburn has offered, at least according to the On3 database. Um, Richard Young, who was probably the best. Yeah, he's the who's who, yeah. yeah. I mean, Auburn offered him like three or four years ago. Yeah. Um, Ruben Owens from Texas. Justice Haynes from Roswell, Georgia. Yep, big time back. Yep. Everybody's got him going to Georgia. Everybody's got Owens going to one of the two uh, in-state schools, Texas A&M. Uh, Cedric Baxter from Orlando, Florida. Not familiar with him. No. Trey Wisner, Wisner. Trey Wisner from Texas. Uh, Treyon Webb is the name that we've heard before, Jacksonville, Florida, TCA, uh, Trinity Christian. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and he recently decommitted from somebody, did he not? Treyon Webb, yes, he did. He's no longer committed. Yeah. Sergio uh, Snyder from Texas, Trey Wisner from Texas, Mark Fletcher from Fort, Fort Lauderdale. 
And so, so uh, Cobb, yeah, and he, he loves Cadillac Williams from my conversation with him earlier this earlier this week. Loves Tank Bigsby. Loves the way Auburn runs football, especially uh, under or has run the football under Harson. Right. Um, so definitely a guy that I think Auburn could, if they should, decide to move on, get him on board. He sounded very, uh, very excited. You know, genuinely, you can tell some of these kids. You read some of their quotes, but if you listen to how they said it, you would think completely different. But this kid was genuinely excited, and uh, he's not a madhouse guy, by the way. Uh, he's from Montgomery. He does not train with the Madhouse uh, guys, which, uh, you know, a lot of big-time kids from Montgomery do. Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't know why I said that. I found that out. I think somebody on the board was asking about that. Well, it's, it, it, I think there's a theory on the board that if they work out at Madhouse, they're not coming to Auburn. <laughs> but that's not necessarily the case. Uh, those guys do a, a great job in the developmental program, and, and they, they really do a lot for the prospects in that Montgomery area as far as getting their name out. Oh, they're, they're fantastic, yes. Yeah. Um, Good dudes, too, man. I, I really enjoy you know those that. guys. Um, but Jeremiah Cobb, is like Cole said, he's got the full package. It, as far as he's got the ability to hit the home run so and, and the acceleration, the vision. I mean, he's still developing as a back. And obviously in college, he probably play closer to 205. I mean, if you're 190 in high school, you're going to easily add 10 to 15 pounds yeah. in a college strength and conditioning program. Um, and and he's, he's somebody we need to land because you're probably – you're looking at if you don't get a transfer back this year, you're going to need two backs in this next class. And it would be really great to have a kid locally um, on the board that you can count on moving forward and then maybe kind of start to chip away at some of these other blue, excuse me, uh, blue collar backs that uh, that you might want to bring in as well. But you know, graduate not graduating, Tank's turning pro after this year. I don't think there's any secret. Yeah, you, yeah. you got Jarquez Hunter and Damari Austin and scholarship backs. I'm not exactly sure it's the Jordan Ingram situation, um, and I know that you know there's the potential that he could move to linebacker. I know that the previous. Uh, administration and team will and them that's how they recruited him they thought right. he was an SEC athlete but that he looked better at linebacker than he did at running back and then obviously you've got the walk-on um from Hewitt Trussell Sean, uh, Sean, Sean Jackson yeah. Sean Jackson who was very impressive to me when I saw him in the, in the two games that he played this year but you just don't know how that's going to play itself out yeah. so you're you know you're really – if you don't get a transfer this year, you're going to have to land two really high-caliber backs to make sure that you have what you need in the backfield moving forward for 2023. Um, yeah. And I think he would be a great start to the class. Yeah. Cole, how do you see that? Uh, definitely. I think they probably end up trying to get two backs in this class regardless. Uh, to me, that's – I think the offer kind of says that because as good as Cobb is and he's got plenty of interest from schools everywhere, I think they had some guys higher at one point. Uh, maybe still do, but said, you know what, this guy's in-state. Um, he keeps getting better. I, I really – I think they're going to just take a chance on him and say, yeah, I think he's I think he's the kind of guy we want, and, and I think there's going to be some mutual interest there too. So, definitely worth getting in that recruitment. Yeah, you know, it's almost like a uh, – we tried slow play in Justin Williams a year ago or a couple of months yeah. ago, and that didn't work yeah. out. Let's don't do yeah. it to this kid too. You know, if we're yeah. going to have a second back, let's go ahead and get that number two back in, and let's go for that number one. Uh, I Justin, couldn't agree more. Justin Williams, who uh, was a 2022 four-star running back from Georgia, who all he wanted to do all his senior year was come to Auburn. Auburn yeah. was really late in offering. He ended up going to Tennessee. Mm -hmm. And uh, really good kid, really good back. 
And uh, but Auburn Auburn was slow to play. Uh, of course, now they had Damari and they wanted to get Trey Citizen. Yes. Um, so I know it's tough. I mean, I'm, I'm with you, Jeffrey. I understand it. I wish they hadn't done it because I didn't see. Look, I, I would have that kid's biggest fan as far as that's concerned. Justin Williams, for me, was a take from day one when I saw his film. Um, and I didn't think there was that much of a difference between him and Trey Citizen. When you put – when you watch the cut-ups, I didn't think there was that much difference or enough to slow play him the way that we did. But yeah. I'm not Brian Harson either, and he right. knows what he needs better than I do. Right. So I'm not going to criticize that. I just – I'm a huge fan of the kid. Um, personally, I like his game, and I like who he is as a person. So I, awesome. I would have liked to have seen him as an all time. Yeah, he's an awesome kid, man. Awesome kid. Kind of kid you want in your program uh, – and, I, and as far as Citizen, now, Justin did sign in the early period. I felt like if Auburn was going to get Citizen, they would have gotten him in December when he did, when that didn't happen. Uh, and I will say, when he came back in January for that unofficial visit, I was like, hmm, all right, yep. then. Yeah. Uh, back in the game is what I was thinking. But, yeah, I, I hated to uh, to see Justin go to Tennessee and Auburn strike out with Citizen. Uh, so yep. maybe that's Auburn's kind of, you know, we're going to take two and we're not going to wait around to get that second one. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, guys, what uh, let's say let's say something for next week. I yeah. think so. Let's say something okay. for next week, man. We can't show our, our, all our cars. Well, <laughs> and hopefully next week you'll have an offensive coordinator on board. There you Maybe go. You'll have an, an edge coach. Maybe we'll have even more targets to find. I know you and Cole have been working overtime with all the offices that have been going out, so we'll have more to discuss from that standpoint. And they are. Um, you know, and, and maybe some a, a another junior day in March will start to materialize. Right. Uh, that we can kind of talk about and or, you know, prospects that they may want to get on campus for spring practice. And, you know, every day in the portal, Auburn's keeping an eye on these, on, on these guys and in the portal. You never know what's going to happen tomorrow. You never know what's going to happen. You know, Monday, there could be uh, – there could be new targets emerged, so we will be always be tracking the transfer portal. Uh, folks, I want to remind you again, Auburn Live on three, we've got a 50% off promo going, $49.99 a year. It's cheaper than a tank of gas, uh, or you can go monthly and hit $4.99, which is cheaper than a gallon of gas in uh, some states. I'm guessing in the Pacific Northwest. I, uh, uh, anyways, uh, so appreciate everybody listening. Like I said, if you're not a member of the site, go ahead and jump on that promo. For J Head, also known as Any Hibachis. Oh, 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 you know what? And here's my Hibachi, man. Yeah, one of those. We were, I, I, I do too, Cole. So thank you. I, I was just rolling on my exit, though, wasn't I? That was yeah. You were good. Listen, you were smooth. Yeah. Maybe we can yeah. start calling you Cadillac. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I got a big Hibachi to God Camet, man. Yeah, he's a decent poster, but a, uh, he's he's better off uh, off the internet. <laughs> uh god came at big how about you how about you to co war eagle for he was like hey man what's up dude we want to hear this podcast get your ass some work let's go <laughs> that was yeah. today's post he was he was requesting it and then uh the how about you to uh to big sexy for au who was talking about jeremiah cobb being little at 511 190 and um i i made the mistake of telling big sexy that if he wanted to keep arguing with me we, we could take it outside and i got to thank him at I don't think I want to mess with anybody who says, what name can I come up with? And then he come up with Big Sexy. Yeah, you know. I, yeah. I don't think I want any part of that. <laughs> 5190 nah. might be small to him. So. Uh, exactly. If, that, if, if Big Sexy thinks 511190 is small or little, excuse me, it ain't I, me. I, don't, I don't want any any part of that. That ain't no. small to me, I promise. <laughs> so, God Camet, Big Sexy, 4AUCO, War Eagle. Uh, Cole, who you got? I got Swamp Eagle. 
I, I love this guy, man. He's always got a he's always got an answer for everything, and it's usually pretty solid. So that's my guy. Swamp Eagle, not Swamp Ass. <laughs> no. Swamp Eagle. Sorry, mom. Somewhat of an old soul he is. All right. Anything else for you, Jay Hen? Yep. I got a big how oh, about you out oh. to uh to two guys that watch the show, not members of the site just yet. But it's a Victor Jordan and a Brennan May Jordan. Brennan is a star wide receiver for Viger High School. He actually was kind of unsure of how his scholarship situation was going to play itself out, but got a scholarship offer signed uh, with Tuskegee. Sweet. So nice. big, big how about you? And home of Deshaun Davis, who's the new defensive coordinator down there. Right so on. big how about you out to Brennan May Jordan and his dad, Vic. Uh, I work with Victor, great guy. Uh, and, and, and Brennan's a really great kid and know his dad's real proud of him. So. Brennan May Jordan. You got it. Is that right? That's right. Hey, how about you, Brennan May? Good for you, big dog. Hey, and when Alabama State comes to town, you tell them uh, bumblebees, the honeybees. Hey, Jeffy said, how about you? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, we're going to leave it there. Uh, for Jay Head, for Cole, I'm Jeffrey Lee. Remember, free, please, for the love of God, stay out of the left lane. How about you?